Well, good morning, Dallas Bible Church. It is good to see you guys again today. Uh, it is a joy to be back with you. If you've been coming the past number of weeks, you've been hearing us uh, prep for this day, Compassion Sunday, and uh, really to launch our new partnership with this, as Brian mentioned, this incredible ministry that I've had an eye on for a number of years. And if you've been here at DBC for any amount of time, one of the, the, the big things that we've talked about a lot is that we have this conviction that every man, woman, and child who's a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ has been sent into the world to engage the mission of God and to live their lives for the praise and glory of his name. Uh, we get this. We talk about in our mission around here uh, that we love all, we help all follow Jesus. It's a combination of the great commission Jesus gives every one of us, that we're going to go into all the world. We're going to make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching people to observe everything that Jesus has commanded us to do. And so we believe that every single one of us have an opportunity to engage that mission in very, very uh, unique ways. Uh, about six years ago, we were praying as I was beginning here at DBC, and one of the things I felt very, very clearly and strongly from the Lord that he was saying uh, as we launched into this ministry together is send my church. And I've still got that written at the very top of my whiteboard in my office. Um, and it's still sitting there today. And this has been a thing that's been kept in front of my eyes and send me as I go into the world. But send my church. Get us outside of the walls of our church body to understand that God is having, God is working all the way around the world. Not just here in Dallas, Texas, not just in America, but he's working all around the world. And so when we come into this day today with Compassion Sunday and we talk about this brand new partnership, this is an opportunity to help our church body be mobilized and to engage the entire family, whatever that may look like for you, in the mission of God in a very, very tangible way. As I mentioned before, Compassion International has been on our radar for a number of years already. I've always heard and known about them on a, like a, like a 30,000 foot scale and kind of known they do child sponsorships and help children come out of poverty um, all around the world. And so we've known about that for a little while. But it's in recent years that we came to understand the depth of their ministry and, uh, and how powerful it is and what a beautiful combination it is uh, of treating children and families in a holistic way that is going to share the gospel gospel of Jesus Christ with them, but not only that, help partner with local churches wherever they may be and help build the local church, empower them to serve their surrounding community through the gospel, through actual education, through food programs and medical programs as well. And so we've been thoroughly impressed with their ministry, have come to believe in it wholeheartedly, and I love the holistic approach to the mission of God that is there. And so today we get to come and I'm going to help, uh, I'm going to introduce you to a new friend named Edgar, who's going to come and share his story of being raised in the Dominican Republic and being partnered with Compassion and a sponsor from five years old into where he is now as a 41-year-old living in Dallas and uh, his trajectory and what God has done through him this day. I'm just going to put this out there right now. I'm going to be asking you to be, be, be praying right now that God would use you and that you would jump on board in sponsoring a child today. Um, I'm going to say this again at the end of this thing, but um, in preparation for this upcoming week, we were praying and asking God that he would, we would have 35 sponsorships coming out of our Sunday morning live experience today. Um, after the first service, we're already somewhere around 40 in live. Um, and that's not even the online partnerships that are taking place too. And so... Um, and so we've asked that we're opening up more children. We are partnering with Guatemala. And I'm going to pitch a little bit of this vision later on. But the, the long-term strategy here is that you're going to be able to partner with a child today. 
in Guatemala, and together as a church family, we're going to be able to come and invest in that particular area. And in years to come, we're going to be able to take trips together to go visit that area in Guatemala, to go visit our children and to begin this ministry here. So uh, I couldn't be more excited about this. And so uh, I'll tell you a little bit more details in, in just a little bit. But with that, I get to introduce you to Edgar Benitez today. And church, I'm going to invite you and ask you to help me welcome him to the stage here this morning. Good morning. Good morning, and thank you so much for the welcoming. Welcome back, man. Yes, We're doing this I'm round excited two here. to be here. I've been having fun all this morning. Yeah, so, okay, so you're, you're from Dominican Republic, but you're a local guy, too. Tell us a little bit about where you live now, and, uh, and then we'll get into your story in just yes, a second. Yes, for the last 15 years, I have made North Texas my home. Uh, I used to live in Chicago before, but came here for a business trip, and I said, this, this looks like the what the Bible describes as the promised land. <laughs> and, and much more beautiful believe than it or promise. not, two months later, I was living here. So, yes, um, yes I have been, uh, as I said, living here for 15 years in the Little Elm area of Frisco. If you know that area over there, we Very love good. it. Well, welcome, and I know your family was with us here in the first service, too, and we'll get to introduce them here in a little while, yes. but um, tell us a little bit about your life and a little bit of your experience before Compassion and how you came into uh, knowing their ministry firsthand. Yes, absolutely. So I was born to a single teenage mother in a rural area of the Dominican Republic and came from a very poor family. Uh, my mother, being single and with the lack of opportunities in that rural area, decided to move to the big city. Santo Domingo, the capital of the Dominican Republic, when I was around three, we just showed up to the city. Nobody invited us. Nobody was expecting us. We did not have a place where to go. So for what seemed like a year, we were just bouncing from place to place, crashing at distant relatives, acquaintances, whoever we will meet that will let us stay uh, for as long as several weeks uh, or assure us just overnight. So that... Um, after a year of that, nearly, uh, my mother finally found us a very small place for the two of us in one of the poorest and most dangerous cities, um, crime-filled neighborhood uh, in, in Santo Domingo. That's where the poorest of the poor lived. And so this is pretty much where you grew Tell us a little bit about these upcoming pictures and kind of what Santo Domingo is like and, and culturally kind of what that looks like there. So, yeah, so this is near a river um, because uh, all of the settlements are illegal. So the people that don't have the ability to build or rent or live anywhere else, they just go and, uh, I guess, take over whatever piece of land that they can find over there. Uh, this is literally the river banks. Yeah. Uh, and the closest to it, which will be the other side that doesn't get to be seen over here, is the city dump. So we are kind of sandwiched between uh, a very polluted river and then the city dump. So tell us a little bit about this picture here, because as you, you talked about this earlier, as this would be your life apart from compassion. And you see a bunch of people digging through uh, the dump and trying to make a living that way. Yes, so absolutely. So the, the lack of uh, employment opportunities uh, forced many people to try to survive, and the closest I was to them was the city dump, and they will go there uh, to dig up scrap metal or anything that could be recycled and resold. In mm -hmm. some cases, even food thrown away from restaurants. Uh, but not only adults went over there, so 
children as young as five years old will go there, especially the children of single mothers, will go there to try to dig up scrap metal and uh, try to resell that so they could, they could bring a little bit of income to the family to help with that. Um, that is all sad, but even sadder than that is that it wasn't unusual for children in my neighborhood that went to the city dump not to return at the end of the day because they were run over by a bulldozer or any other heavy equipment uh, or they were just assaulted uh, by the, the adults that were also over there or they were just badly injured mm. there. So that was one of the greatest risks. Uh, child labor um, was one of the greatest risks that I had uh, going over there. So we first experienced what you could say homelessness and then the very likelihood that rather than heading to school, I will be heading to that city dump or will be shining shoes in the streets or I will be selling donuts in the city intersection or becoming a criminal or being a beggar in the streets. Now you talk a lot about um, the cycle of poverty and how those, uh, the, the pictures we were just looking at, like, those don't shrink in numbers, they only grow. And the cycle of poverty, you described it as a prison earlier to me. We talk a little bit about the cycle of poverty and why that's mm -hmm. such a difficult um, thing to overcome and get outside of and how it's connected with uh, your own story. Yes, uh, even worse than physical poverty, spiritual poverty, and emotional, psychological poverty is worse than that. Because physical poverty just deprives you of basic necessities. Yeah. But uh, spiritual poverty deprives you of love uh, and hope and encouragement. And psychological poverty deprives you of, of having faith and believing that things can be better. So the, it's, the typical life in these slums is there are generations of people that have been living there. So they are used to, my parents grew, were born and raised over here, so were their grandparents and their, their parents and grandparents. So this is generations of people. These slums, the people don't leave this place. It is the, the opposite. More people move in here every day. Uh, so this is where I'm growing up. This is where I'm going to be. This is where I will have children. This is where I will likely die. So there is no hope that things are going to be better. There is no hope that things can change and improve in the future. The, the life is really there day by day. So you survive today. You're lucky that you made it another day. Uh, and if you wake up the next day, you do it all over again. But you're not thinking a month later or you're not thinking that uh, through education, through hard work, through all these other things, I could and the cycle of poverty. So that all changed for you when you were five years old. Tell us a little bit about how you, how you, met, uh, with, how you met up with Compassion and how your life has changed as a result of this ministry going on there. Uh, yes, it was originally frustrating, especially for my mother. So when I turned five and I'm ready to be enrolled in elementary school, my mother reaches out to my father who I have not seen too often in my life uh, for financial assistance we, so we could be, I could be enrolled. And my father offered, I think it was a few coins at that time, and my mother said, well, this, is, this isn't enough. Uh, we need to buy school supplies, uniforms, textbooks, uh, enrollment fees, shoes, monthly tuition. And my father said, 
well, if it is going to take more than a notepad and a pencil, uh, let them grow up to be literate. He won't be the first one and he won't be the last one. Uh, and that just made my mother even more determined that she was going to put me in school and against all odds because she did not want me to be in that city dump. And she knew that that was likely my future. She went to this church that partnered with this international ministry called Compassion, and there uh, they um, they started the process. And later, just like that family that you saw in the video, yeah. we received the good news. The secretary one day, as my mother went to pick me up, and the director of the program called her and said, "We have some good news." And it was just like that. They pulled us into their office, and they were tears of joy. And the the, the director said. Um, you're a child raising another child. This, my mother was still so young. So that marked the journey of me being released from poverty and starting my walk with Christ. Wow. So talk, walk us through a little bit of what that looks like. Uh, your introduction to Compassion. What does a typical day at the school look like? Because they partner with the local church. Through the local church, they provide a daily education, right? And, and so walk us through what does is, what is a typical day um, in that ministry look like? I mean, so there were so many changes. The first thing that struck me was that I had daily meals, yeah. <laughs> so the food was taken care of, and I was safe. Yeah. I was not in the noisy, polluted neighborhood where um, I was at risk of many things. So our typical day started with prayers, Bible verse, and in some cases even Bible verse memorization. A devotional. The first 30 minutes of every day started with that. Before we put out our textbooks, notepads, or we went on with English or social studies or history or any of that, it was that devotional time for the first 30 minutes. So the day went on with um, the other subjects, history, math, and all of that. And this was since kindergarten. Yeah. Uh, by midday, we will have Bible study. So and that was a more deeper uh, part of where we will analyze a passage of the Bible or one of the great stories of the Old Testament. And the day always ended with worship. So in hymns, at the end of the day, the last 20, 30 minutes of the day were devoted to where all of us in the classroom were worshiping. And then on Fridays, it was the last hour. So that was consistently, it felt like having Sunday school every single day of the week. And that is something that I could have not found at home because my mother was so consumed and preoccupied with her determination to figure out where our next year was going to come from and to keep that roof, uh, rusty roof over our head. There was no talk about God. Yes, mm -hmm. I knew my mother believed in God because she would mention that, but I don't even remember, I don't even think we had a Bible at home. And if we did, we never opened it or took time to read it. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your sponsorship because uh, David and who he got partnered with because he, the Lord was, used him a lot to uh, open up your eyes to the gospel. So tell us a little bit about David and how that sponsorship worked. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. He, he worked great. Um, he sent me letters, which I still conserve, and there are many more than that, and I occasionally still read. Uh, but in these letters and, and his sponsorship, the mentorship, had the greatest positive influence in my early and teenage years. This is where the expression, I love you, was first addressed to me in my life. 
Mm. I've never heard it before that. Or never was addressed to me. I heard it only in movies. My mother loved me like I can still not comprehend. But it's not something I heard. That was not part of the culture of telling children I love you. The part of the culture was I, I went above and beyond to get you a plate of food. That's my demonstration of love. So when I have this person that lives thousands of miles away, that first decides to engage in a commitment uh, of covering my school tuition, my uh, health insurance, uh, all school uniforms and supplies and all of that, doesn't know me and still takes the time to write letters and to tell me that he loves me uh, that, and to encourage me and says that I can be whatever I want to be if I just trust God and depend on God and put all my plans in God. And he's quoting um, scriptures and saying for Jeremiah 29, 11, for, God, for I know the plans I have for you and their plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. So I started immediately to believe that this could be real, and I started to develop that connection with this individual that was influencing me in a very positive way. Yeah. Uh, and uh, eventually, well, let's go on. I'll okay, <laughs> well, hold on. I'll just tell you, you know, when we got together and met a few months back, uh, it was fun when, when Edgar came into my office and he just opens up his backpack and he pulls out like all the letters between he and David. And those letters that you saw up there are like from the early 80s, y'all. Like there's no emails, there's no easy way. Like I, that's not what is happening. It's like you've got the letters because they were that meaningful and that impactful. And just, and it's, it, I think there's this reinforcement. You talk about you knew that God existed, you knew that you'd heard the gospel preached, of course, in your school, but the gospel began to come alive in you when you began to connect what uh, you were hearing through David, that I love you, is that God loves you, he's the provider, he's the protector, and then what you were hearing at the schools. Talk a little bit about how, uh, what it was like when the gospel became real to you, because you became, you were sponsored at five in the school, in the church, growing in a little bit of understanding, and then shortly after that is when you came to faith. So tell us a little bit about that story. So I, I think it all started with the overwhelming love that I received at the center. So first, mm -hmm. smiley faces. Uh, teachers hugging me uh, and telling me that they loved me uh, and counselors there uh, and other personnel uh, welcoming me and, and not just me, everybody else. And then I am receiving in every single letter, we love you, God loves you, God loves you. God loves you so much that he sent his only son to die in the cross so you could spend eternity with him in the kingdom of heaven if you just surrender your life to God. So in Bible verse memorizations, one morning it was John uh, 3.16. For God so loved, uh, so much loved the world that he sent his only son um, to die on the cross. So we should not perish, instead have eternal life. And that, I just meditated on that. And... I was still, I think I was in middle school around that time, 10 or 12, and I, would I give my son to die to pay for somebody else? Would I sacrifice my own son? I've been hearing this stuff for the last five or seven years, and now if somebody is willing to love another person like that, this must be real. And at that moment, I decided, you know, I want to surrender my, my life to God. Yeah. And that's just where it began for your family, too. That was too. just the beginning. That's just the beginning of it. Yeah. So, so talk, talk to us a little bit about um, how it blew up from there, right? In, in a beautiful way, how the gospel spread from you to your family and, 
and everybody else from there. It, it was uh, a slow but steady process. Uh, first, it was me. Uh, and then I got plugged in and do all the other things. I had great teachers and mentors that discipled me, including David. Uh, then my mother came to Christ. Uh, then my grandmother came to Christ. Then my aunt came to Christ. My father, who had been apart from me or we had a strange relationship, we amended things. And then he comes to Christ. And not only he comes to Christ, he devotes so much time to it that he even uh, found, founds a ministry to help sons to reconnect, incarcerated fathers to reconnect with their sons that are outside. And then my brother comes to Christ. My cousins come to Christ. And the majority of my family uh, have already surrendered their life to Christ. Wow. So that has been a domino effect from one sponsorship, yeah. one discipleship, the domino effect to bring many more souls to the kingdom of heaven. I love it. I love it. And so that began, that began with you. That, that was a David. That was David sitting and responding to a call to invest in a child that he, and, a, and a new friend that he'd never met in his life yeah, yeah. And, uh, and to continue going that way. So one of the things I love about compassion, like I said, you're not just going out and it's not just, it's not just going out and handing out tracts and, and letting, letting it fall where it may be. It's a holistic approach to ministry. And so talk a little bit about that in like your whole family came to faith. But even before that point, they were already treating your mom and helping your mom out too. So talk about how they minister not only to the child in the school of that particular thing, but the whole family from there. Yes. So the, the, the benefits and the positive impact of the Compassion Sponsorship was immediate. Yeah. So and not just for me, but for the entire family. I am, rather than heading to the city dump, I am placed in, in a classroom safely with meals uh, and, and, and all the medical things that I need and the schools and supplies and all of that. So my mother has one less stressor, that is my daily meals. And another less stressor, uh, that is school supplies and all of that. That is all covered. But then my mother, uh, a young adult, still unemployed, compassion steps in and say, hey, uh, what else can we help you with? So, and encourages her and partners with her so she can complete her GED. Yeah. She completes her GED, then they step in again and help with an apprenticeship program where she goes and learns some vocational skills and becomes a secretary for a major company. Yeah. So at that time, while we had already been enjoying the benefits of it, our life takes a substantial change because now she is permanently employed on a full-time basis, so there's steady income coming, and we are able to move from the poorest, where the poorest of the poor live, to still a poor neighborhood, but with dignity. Yeah. And in better conditions, in a safer environment. And from there, we start walking away, I wouldn't say just from poverty, but from extreme poverty. That's it. That's it. So you were talking a little bit earlier. By the way, like Compassion has, uh, has uh, partnered up. Almost 2 million children today uh, currently are partnering with uh, different people around the world, nearly 2,000 children today. And like you said, like it's not just it, it's spiritual, it's educational, it's mental, it's physical, it's the entire treatment of the whole. Uh, of everything there. You were mentioning a little bit earlier the amount of discipleship influence that you had there versus what you may experience in Dallas today. Talk a little bit about that and some of the, the fruit yes. of the ministry. 
Yes, that's, that's one of the, uh, another great aspect of compassion is that the focus, the partnership with the local church, and they are so focused into the disciple of truly creating disciples for Christ. Whereas here, an American family, a Christian student receives on average 40 hours of discipleship yeah. a year. And that's before COVID. So who knows what that is right now? It could be a lot less than yeah. that. But in a compassion program, the average child receives about 400 hours of discipleship. So when I saw that for the first time, I said, I did some math in my head. I said, this has to be wrong. It's a lot more than that. I remember I did go to church more often than that, and we had more Bible studies than that. So it, it is a great thing to have a student that received 400 hours of discipleship Amen. a year. And you said 125,000. Um, 125,000 compassion children a year receive Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior. So if you do the math, that's about every four minutes, there is a compassion child that is accepting Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior. And if you add their families, eventually that, is, that exponentially multiplies way beyond that. That's right. So talk about, okay, so let's go back to David here for a second, because I know you've got a lot of love and affection for David and his family here. Uh, how long, so he sponsored you when you were five, and he, am I right, he, he sponsored you all the way through high school, yes. correct? Yes. Okay, so talk us through, you, you graduate high school, then you go off to university, and tell us a little bit about there and, and afterwards. Yes, yeah, so the Compassion Program enabled me to become the first one in my family to attend high school, successfully graduate, and set the path for me to go to college. And I become the first one to go to college and graduate from college. Yeah. Wonderful. So I go on and work for multinational corporations in Dominican Republic and eventually get an offer uh, to relocate and work for Fortune 500 companies here in the States. Uh, and my goal is to reconnect with David. This is before uh, Facebook and yeah. all of that. Uh, so there wasn't a lot of social tools, uh, or online tools for that, but I still initiated my process of trying to find them. And for the next 15 years, uh, I'm unsuccessful. There are hundreds of David's trainers in the country. <laughs> and I wonder which one of it it is. And I send many emails and make many phone calls, and all of them are the wrong one. So uh, to a certain degree, I have given up hope that I was going to find them. Uh, and... Sweet, my wife became pregnant with our fifth child. Yeah, we have five children, a small family. We're, we're still growing. <laughs> That's a great way uh -huh. to, uh, to grow the church. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just, just getting started there. By the way, they're all nine months apart. <laughs> just, just kidding. So uh, I always want to remember and honor him and I named my youngest son David after him yeah. uh, and I persisted still looking for him and I found him and we reconnected in Florida I found him in Florida I went over there we spent the week of Christmas of 2019 celebrating together uh, and me just hugging him and telling him hey 
Thank you for allowing God to use you as a tool through compassion to release me from poverty and bring the gospel to me. And it was amazing because he said, I pray for you all this time. He said that just a month before you found me, I woke up one day and I thought about you. And he said, I wonder whatever happened to Edgar. And I said a prayer for you. And less than 30 days later, you show up. That's mm. how God works. Man, and you guys got to get together in Florida. You got to share. We went to, I was the happiest person on Universal <laughs> Studios. No kid was happier than me there that day. We went to, yeah, that's Universal Studios right there. That's my family and his family. We went to NASA, Kennedy Space Center. We did many things together. And today we text every single day. We hold um, Bible studies weekly we pray for our families we get on the phone uh his wife my wife and we get on the phone and we pray and we talk and we just express love for one another and next month we're gonna be together we're gonna be spending a weekend together <laughs> so something important he told me was as we were spending time together over there i asked him why did you sponsor me i'm sure that there were so many different kids that uh, were on the table, but you picked me. He said, I have visited Dominican Republic many times. I love the country. And one day I got to see children working in the streets. So when Compassion came over to my church, the first thing that came to my mind was those kids in the Dominican Republic working. And when I went to the table and I saw Dominican Republic, I said, I want to prevent this child from going into child labor. That's why I picked you. And he did exactly that. Amen. And he stuck with you for a long time, too. That's yes. beautiful. Uh, will you tell us a little, Now, you had your family here, and I want you to introduce them. And So tell us a little bit about your family and who's with you today. Yes, definitely. So I have my wife uh, and four of our children. She's out there with our two little ones. Uh, her name is Fatima. And we have two teenagers over here, Nicole, who is 16, and Alex, uh, who is 14. Sarah and David are out there. They are four, and David turns three exactly today. Yes. Yes, yeah, so, and I have my mother here. That's a surprise. It is the first event that she joins me, and we get to share this story together. And my younger brother, who lives here as well, and his two daughters are here. So we, they did the first service, and now the kids are a little out of control, so that's why they are out there. <laughs> But this is, so this is really fun. We were sitting in my office and we were talking about some different things. And he goes, you know, I've never invited, I've never had my mom come with me to tell this story and stuff. And he's, he's like, I'd love to bring her up. And so uh, will you introduce us to your mom? And yes. then church, will you help us uh, welcome Marty. her up to the stage? Thank you. Why don't, will you introduce us to your mother? Then? This is my mother, Mary. Yes. <laughs> Mary, once again, we just want to say thank you and welcome. Uh, we're so grateful for sharing your story with us. We know that uh, we don't take that for granted, and we're really thankful for you sharing your story with us. Gracias a todos por creer en esta historia y por ver la historia hecha realidad. 
Thanks to all of you for uh, listening to this story and seeing how it became a reality. Mary, will you tell us real quick just, um, just what has compassion meant to you and your partnership with them over the years? ¿Qué significó para ti con compasión uh, a través de los años que usted hizo por su Compasión significó para mí esperanza, fidelidad, porque eh, recibir a compasión a la edad de él con tres años y patrocinar toda su vida hasta esta historia, eh, ayudarme a cumplir un sueño, y ese sueño es una realidad que hoy la podemos contar. Compassion meant to me hope, faithfulness, to see this dream come true, see him go through uh, the high school and graduate university and still seeing him dedicated to compassion and serving the Lord, this is a, a, a dream come true for me. Edgar, will you tell us a little bit about kind of their story, how they came over here, the timeline and everything there, and Mary, what that's meant to you? Question for her. Sorry, that was confusing. Mary, <laughs> that was bad. Um, Mary, will you tell us a little bit about, about how you came over here and, uh, and how you, because um, that's a recent story, correct? Yeah. Will you tell us a little bit about your transition over here and how you came to Dallas? ¿Cómo llegaste aquí, Estados Unidos? Yeah. Oh, yo llegué a través de que Estados Unidos. Yes, so I was the first one to relocate over here, and once I was able to become a U.S. citizen, I'm proud to be a U.S. citizen, uh, I petitioned for her, and her visa was approved within a year, I believe, after I petitioned for her. She relocated and lived over here, um, and has been there since then, and I petitioned for my brother as well at the same time, but my brother... Uh, had, didn't get priority, brothers don't get priority. He had to wait 15 years until his visa was approved. So about two years ago, he finally received his approval uh, and he relocated here. And a year later, or he immediately petitioned for his daughters. And a year later, both of his daughters joined him here. So now mm -hmm. my mother, my brother, and my two nieces are all living here. So we have a big family now Amen. with my five children. <laughs> yes. Well, Mary, we would just want to say uh, welcome. We are glad that you're here. And again, thank you so much for sharing your family with us and your experience and everything. Church, will you uh, help show a little love and appreciation here? Church, I want, to, I want to invite you to stand with me for a moment. I want to bless them with prayer uh, before you step down and, and uh, just let us know, let you know how grateful we are. But uh, church, if you're in agreement with me, what we would do is just stick out a hand here. This is just showing, hey, we're on the same, same team and we're in agreement with this prayer. But Father, uh, we want to praise you, God. We just want to simply say thank you for the work that you've done uh, through David, through Compassion, through Edgar, through Mary. Um, God, we've seen your redemptive story come alive. And for that, Father, we just say thank you. And we acknowledge that you are the author of life. You are the giver of hope. You've done it for us perfectly in Jesus Christ. And we say thank you, thank you, thank you for Edgar, for Mary, for the entire family. Father, I pray right now for, um, God, I pray for a blessing. And I pray for, uh, really, your continued provision in the Benitez family right now. 
God, I pray that all the children would come to faith early on, that they would know that you're a good and glorious God who provides wonderfully and has a beautiful plan for their life. Father, would you do a work through your church, not only here in Dallas, but there in Dominican Republic, Father? Would you make it come alive? And would you bring about fruit, Lord, all for the praise and all for the glory of your name? God, we do love you. We praise you. May your blessing be upon them today. In Jesus' name that we pray, amen and amen. One more time, church. Edgar, I'm going to say one more thing. And Edgar, I'm going to ask you one more time, just uh, if, there's, if there's anything else you'd like to share with us today about Compassion and your yeah, partnership there. And church, you guys can go ahead and take a seat for a moment here. A Compassion sponsorship is, is a blessing that multiplies exponentially, not just in the life of the Compassion child that is sponsored, but also in the, in the life of, of the sponsor as well. I stand here today in front of you as a testimony that a Compassion sponsorship truly works. It did for me exactly what it intended to do. He released me from poverty, and he brought the gospel to me, and he trained me to be a disciple. My prayer and hope is that today, after you see what happens in the life of a child, once it's sponsored through compassion, God touches your heart, and you decide to sponsor a child. Today, I have been blessed beyond my wildest imagination in every single aspect of my life. And for that, I dedicate a big portion of my time to serve Compassion by doing these events and volunteering and sponsoring three children. I ask you, this little friend here, Leo, uh, he's going to be celebrating a birthday tomorrow. Last year, he celebrated his birthday waiting for a sponsor. He's been waiting for more than a year. I ask you, don't let Leo celebrate a, another birthday without a sponsor. That's it. Thank you, church, for giving me this opportunity. Amen. Thank Edgar. you, Pastor Aaron. That's right. And uh, I just want to say, church, you know, this is, uh, so this is going to be a long-term strategy for us here and a long-term investment. And so the opportunities before you today, uh, I told you earlier, earlier this week or a little while back, we were praying for 35 partnerships. We've already ecl- eclipsed that here in person. Online, I have no idea what's about to take place. Uh, but you can do this today. Right outside in the foyer, um, in the fireside room right across the hall, you can walk back there. You can find the available children that are available to sponsor right now for $38 a month. Uh, that money is going to be going towards everything that you heard Edgar describe right here, holistic approach to ministry, long-term investment, and in brand new friendships and relationships. I was telling Caleb about this earlier in, the, uh, early in the week in preparation for him to come and to find a child that he could partner with here. And we were telling him, he was getting so excited about this. We said, we're going to invest in Guatemala. He started researching it and looking into it. And he started like drawing pictures. Like, I'm already going to send it there. And this is the opportunity that's before you. I don't know if you've got children or if you've got any family members around you, but this is the opportunity to continue to pass on the faith to the next generation to mobilize and to be fully engaged in the mission of God, not just here in your local predicament here in Dallas, Texas, all the way around the world, and to raise up those children in in an environment where they're going to be writing letters on a monthly basis, on a regular basis, and they're going to be sending pictures. And then the long-term vision for here at Dallas Bible Church is that we are all investing in Guatemala, which is a strategic area for us. And in the years to come, next year being the first year, we're going to be able to come together. And everyone who sponsors that is able to is going to be able to go and take mission trips together to this particular place to go and visit the children that you're sponsoring. And that you're going to be able to partner with this child and their family for years and years and years to come so that they can have a story much like Edgar's where they come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and they flourish. 
And so church, we want to call us to this. And we've already seen our numbers be blown out of the water. And I don't even know what to tell you right now. I'm praying maybe for 80 today, for 80 today to be able to come and a partner long-term. And in the years, we're going to be able to come and celebrate this together, all for the praise and for the glory of Jesus' name. And so I'm going to pray for us. And the band is going to sing for us in just a moment. And what I'm asking you to do is to simply go before the Lord and say, Holy Spirit, what would you have me and my family do? What would you call me to do in the middle of this thing? And then as we leave this place, that you may walk across there and that you would find someone like Ian right here who has been waiting for over a year to get that news as you saw in the video and as you heard Edgar describe, you have received a partnership. You have received sponsorship and that life come to that family right then and there. Father, would you come and would you make your way known here? God, we continue to ask, Holy Spirit, that you would use the church, not just Dallas Bible, but all around the world, God, would we rise up And see what you've called us to be a part of, Father, and calling us son and calling us daughter. Father, I pray for the children and for the families that are in these situations around the world, God, that are longing for your provision. Father, I pray that you would provide for them. Father, I pray that you would meet every single need and that more and more stories like Edgar's would be told, where they come to saving faith in Jesus and glorify you all along the ways. You provide for them faithfully day in and day out. Holy Spirit, would you speak to us right now individually where we are? God, move us with the compassion that you already have for us as image bearers of God. When we were lost, God, when we were in spiritual poverty ourselves, Father, you fixed your love upon us in the sending of your son, Jesus, to come and to suffer and die on our behalf that we could live with you now and for all of eternity if we simply come to you in faith. Father, you've done that for us. Lord, may we be an extension of your compassion in the world in which you already so much love. God, we love you. We give you our time in Jesus' name.